You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Welcome to Deep Dive Broadway. My guest today is the editor-in-chief of the new exciting theater magazine, Encore Monthly, the prolific and tremendously accomplished Robert Viagas. Robert, I am so happy to be talking to you. I have questions that I have been thinking about literally for 20 years that I'm (laughs) dying to ask you about. I'm here. I'm all yours. Ask me whatever you like. Um, I've, you know, I've done so many fun things and this is like the latest fun thing. I've been, I've had a blessed life, I have to tell you. But anyway, and now I'm here with you proving that. Go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, I was I was doing a little Robert research and, you know, author, editor, journalist, teacher, critic, uh, librettist, project manager, but you're also you're other things too. I know that. You're a podcaster. But I I want to go back to to uh your early life, because I know that you joined Playbill in 1994. Correct. And 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 you know, you set the world on fire with um, playbill.com and started so many things there. But what happened before then? Who were you before 1994? I was just a big kid. Um, and I'm six foot four. Uh, both of my sons tower over me. So we have a tall gene in the family. Why do I mention this? Because this is how I got involved in theater. Um, when I was uh, when I was a kid, I really I wanted to be a veterinarian. I love animals. I still love animals. Um, but I had a friend who um, was very interested in theater, loved theater, and uh, I, I had always enjoyed listening to uh, show music. My father was a musician, and um, I used to watch the Four Thirty movie uh, on Channel Nine here in New York, and they used to show uh, musicals in the afternoon. And I and when I started playing guitar in the sixties. Um, my music teacher would say, oh, give me some songs and I'll get you the music for it. And of course he expected me to give him the Stones and the Beatles, et cetera. And I would just give him all show tunes. And he would say like, what is this? You know, why do you want to sing uh, Till There Was You? Uh, I said, well, that is a Beatles song. Um, but um, so what happened was in high school, um, I was I was a tall guy and I had this friend who liked theater and he used to write for uh, the local newspaper, the Franklin Square Bulletin. And... Um, um, he, he used to go into the city at, on tickets and whenever you got press tickets, you would get a plus one. And he didn't have a girlfriend at that time or a significant other of any kind. So I think what he did now, this is the seventies. It was kind of the bad old seventies of, you know, the oh, dudes sure. 42nd street was drugs and crime and everything mm-hmm. else. And there was a long period of time where theater looked like it was going into eclipse. Do you remember when, uh, you're probably too young to remember this. Sometimes the theaters would be empty for three or four seasons, and they, the Schubert's used to put a sign up on the marquee that said, see a show for the fun of it. That's all they had. There was no uh, there was no show there. So it was a dangerous time, and I think uh, my friend uh, wanted somebody to protect him and just picked the biggest, ugliest, meanest-looking friend he had, and that was me. And so I started going <laughs> to see shows. Um, That's crazy. Then, That's then the Times best. Square, theater story I've ever heard about how you got involved in theater. That's amazing. That's right. And I, so I came, it was, it was a little bit like bullets over Broadway. I, I mean, I wasn't a gangster, but I came in as, you know, somebody who knew nothing about it. I came from a working class family and, uh, 
And so suddenly I was exposed to all these shows. But then Dave went off to college and he got a girlfriend and she became his plus one. And I came from a working class family, could not afford to go to the theater. The only way I knew to get to see tickets to everything was to write about the theater. So I took over his column in the Franklin Square Bullet when I was 17 years old. And I used to, I had a column called Theater in the Square because it was Franklin Square. And, um, uh, and so I started writing and, uh, I, I went to college with that following year, still thinking I was going to be a vet, but I liked, again, I, I went to work for the student newspaper to get more free tickets. Um, <laughs> I just like getting free tickets. And, uh, and so I started writing for them. And, uh, then we had, we had a Cinderella situation, a Cinderella scenario Newsday, which is the big newspaper here on Long Island, um, where I grew up. Um, they had a, a, uh, an internship program and it was open to journalists from all across the country. And believe it or not, even though they're the Long Island paper, they only took like two people from Long Island. So all the people at my newspaper who were in the journalism track, uh, they all were applying. And I said, Oh, I think I'll apply too. And they said, you ugly stepsister. No, I was Cinderella. You Cinderella, you will, you're going to try to get this internship, but you're you're in the biology department. How, why did, what makes you think you're going to get this? And I said, oh, well, if that's the way you feel about it, I'm going to try extra hard. So I did, and I was one of two people who won the Newsday internship, along with Barbara Hoffman, who is the theater writer now for the New York Post. Wow. Uh, the two of us were the two people who were chosen. So, oh, meh, yeah. other, other, and then I decided, <laughs> if I'm working for Newsday, I have to change my major. So I changed my major to... Uh, uh, to communications. I have a degree in communications with minors in chemistry, biology, and theater. I'm sure that's come in handy, all the chemistry and biology. That's right. So that's, and so I just, I just started writing and I, I worked for newspapers. I was a, uh, I was a, um, uh, hardcore politics, crime reporter, you know, murders and, and, uh, kidnappings and elections, which are actually quite similar in many ways. Um, and so I, <laughs> yeah. I wrote about all these things with the idea that once I really knew how to be a journalist, a capital J journalist, then I could finally specialize as a uh, theater writer. But you know something, Dory, I always wanted, I didn't understand why newspapers, which were the dominant media at the time, thousands of years ago, um, uh, the newspapers in the New York area didn't put theater on the front page every day, which I could not understand. They put sports, they put politics, they put business, but the engine that was running the city's economy, which is the theater industry, rarely got on the front page unless there was a scandal of some kind. And I used to sit there going, you know, I'd love either to work for a newspaper that put theater on the front page every day or just have a daily newspaper that would cover theater and nothing else. So this was my fantasy for a long time, and it was nothing but a fantasy until I was working as arts editor uh, at um, at a newspaper, the Stanford Advocate, a daily newspaper there, and um, and suddenly along comes this thing called the internet. And um, one of the reasons it's very hard to do a daily newspaper for theater is that in those days they relied on twelve-year-olds on bicycles to distribute the, the newspapers. There weren't enough 12-year-olds on bicycles across the country to distribute my magically imagined daily newspaper of theater until along came Playbill. Playbill wanted to get onto uh, Prodigy, and uh, 
they uh, they they I asked them when they came to to start that process, what do you want to what do you want to be? What what do you want to put on Prodigy? And they said, well, we'd like to be the encyclopedia of theater on the internet. And I thought, oh, that's great, that's great. Now I noticed that your advertising uh, supported. Do you expect to sell ads? And they said, yeah, yeah, we're going to sell ads. And I said, how many ads do you see in the encyclopedia versus how many ads do you see in the newspaper? What you want to be is the newspaper of theater on the internet. So um, they agreed. And suddenly I had my daily newspaper that had only theater in it every single day. So um, that, is, uh, that is how I got to, uh, to Playbill and got to do what I did there. Well, you were... You set the bar, you know, you launched us, our entire community into this digital world forever grateful. I, well, I wanted it to be real news. And that was yeah. always my standard, not just rewriting press releases, um, not just doing fluff, to treat theater news as just as important as any other kind of news. Uh, and I hired real journalists uh, to write the news. It, was, it wasn't just, uh, you know, PR people. Um and I think that was that was the approach that we took. Well, it is real news, and it belongs on the front page. So, Absolutely. yes, good. I, I thank you. Um, and I'm curious to know: Did you ever somehow incorporate your love of animals into your work in theater? I mean, did you know? Did you write about Bill Berloni? <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> many Bill times. Berlon, well, I, for ten years, I was the editor of the special uh, Tony play, Bill. Um, that uh, is, gets distributed only at the Tony. Where now you can buy it, but in those days it was only available at the Tonys. And one year, Bill won a special Tony, and I was yeah. very happy to uh, publish a story about about him. Uh, I will say this: as part of being a um, a daily newspaper of theater, one of the things that I tried to do was um, make sure that we had a business section, that we had um, a. a I even, for a period of time on Playbill, I had a sports section, and I was the only theater outfit that had a sports section. We used to cover the softball games in Central Park. Of course. And, and they have the Broadway Bowling League. We used to put the bowling stats in the, in the paper every day so that, I could, so that I could say that we had a sports section in, the, in my theater daily newspaper. Well, uh, so I was very proud of that. You are... Uh... A theater entrepreneur, if there ever was one. And, you know, I think that from as somebody who is not from New York, um, you know, to have it break, what you did suddenly brought theater and the intimacy of behind the curtain theater to people all over the world. You know, people were able to really understand what was going on in the world of Broadway and behind the curtain. And so what it, it's magical what you did and, and how you probably changed so many lives for people who they, they learned about the art of theater and, and what was going on behind the curtain and, and it inspired them pursue, to pursue careers in theater. So, you know, you've changed lives along the way, big time. Well, here's, it's interesting that you say that because there was a period of time when they, that one time there were 10 daily newspapers in New York and they had, um, they all had theater critics. They all had theater columnists and writers. And so theater was very much brought to the fore in our culture, in the media culture. By the time we got to 1994, it had been reduced to just the New York times would run a column every Friday in their weekend section. And that was it. That was the only theater news you heard. So people got the sense 
that theater was something that happened long ago and far away and that it's not with us anymore. It's like vaudeville. It's kind of, it's kind of disappeared. And the fact that we had news when we first started, people said, how many news stories a week can you do? I'm like, and I thought, I bet we could get up to two or three stories a day. I bet we could. There was a period of time where we were moving 40 stories a day. Oh, I um, bet. Yeah. And, and what it did was the subtext of every single thing we put out was theater is alive. It's happening now. A lot of things are happening. It's exciting. Actors are being hired. Stars. Theaters are being booked. Tickets are going on sale. Marquees are going up. Uh, awards are being announced. Uh, it, it, the subtext of everything was that theater is alive. And that is what I tried to do then. And now in the mid of, midst of COVID with my new project, Encore Monthly, I'm trying to show that theater is alive now. And that it's not, yes, Broadway is, has gone dark for a while. Uh, it will come back, but you know something? Theater artists, theaters across the country, people have been creating theater nonstop, pell-mell. They've been using, just as we're we're speaking on electronic media, they have shifted a lot of that to various electronic media, but some is being done live and in person. There was a drive-in production of Assassins up in Connecticut literally people pulled up in their cars and they watched it and they they had those little microphones hooked on the side of the car and they or I'm I'm sorry on their radios that's right they don't hook those things anymore the radios they were listening <laughs> to them to it on that and it was happening in front of them Steve Sondheim himself actually attended that performance so people are trying to endlessly creative endlessly um uh resourceful uh, theater people are continuing to make theater. And once again, I'm in a position where I'm creating a magazine that says theater is alive now and it's happening now. And it has not died. It has not gone dark. Theater is actually still very, very busy. Um, and that is the, uh, that is the subtext of Encore, Encore well, Monthly. Well, I, I couldn't be more excited about it. Um, I agree with you completely. It's an amazing period of time. And, and when you look at the history of, of theater during difficult times, art really has proliferated because it's such a profound way to communicate. And, uh, and our community has certainly risen to the occasion over the last you know, nine months. Um, uh, I went to see the uh, drive-in of Phantom of the Opera. Mm -hmm. in Queens with live performance. Uh, it was so magical. I had goosebumps the entire night. It was thrilling to see and God, very, very magnificent setting, uh, looking over the water. It was so beautiful. Um, so uh, there have been all sorts of theater magazines in the past. Um, but they're, you know, they're, they have come, they have gone. Um, and theater and week you, in theater. Yes. Uh, show people. Uh, I've I've watched them come and go. I know a lot of the editors and have spoken to them about uh, what went right, what went wrong. I feel like I've learned a lot uh, from watching them come and go. Uh, well, I, I'm ex I'm excited because you know you you're a master of digital communications and theater news online, but you also. You have a tremendous background as a book publisher, uh, and you've 19 books on the performing arts over the years. 19 books on performing arts and one on golf. Don't ask <laughs> me how that golf. happened. 
<laughs> Sam Sneed asked me to write his uh, to um, ghostwrite his autobiography. So of course he did. I'm the author of Slam. Uh, I'm the writer of Slam and Sam, the story of. Don't ask me. My agent got me that. I love it. I love it. Well, so you're. It's, this isn't new territory for you in terms of, you know, a a actual hard copy magazine or book that is all about theater. So talk, tell us all about Encore. Where did the idea come from and what is the focus and when does it launch? And can I get a copy now? I want to see it. Well, I'm just putting the first issue to bed and I'm working on the second and third issue as we speak. But given what the history of hard copy theater magazines, um, there are a number of a number of areas where I think that uh, Encore is different and uh, and will succeed where the others have failed. Uh, a lot of ma these magazines they're either run by money people who don't really understand theater, or theater people who don't really understand money. They they don't understand mm -hmm. that you have to work to a budget, and you have to the amount that you sell in subscriptions and and ads has to be greater than the cost of putting out the magazine. And unfortunately, this is at you as a producer. Uh, you know what this what this challenge is like, and so uh, fortunately, on this project, I'm working with uh, um, a pair, uh, Brantley Manderson and uh, Louis Doucette, who are veterans of the magazine wars. They they have been putting out niche magazines for years and years and years. They really know how to do it, um, and they are giving me free reign to conceive this magazine. And this is how I'm going to approach this magazine. A lot of the magazines that came out gradually just turned into into PR uh, um, vehicles. Um, they became about satisfying the press agents rather than satisfying the readers. Hmm. Um, all those years when I was at uh, when I was at Prodigy, one of my titles there was theater expert. That was one of my favorite titles ever. Um, that is my job my job was to answer questions from people. People would write in and they would say, you know, I, I got offered box seats. Are, are those any good? Uh, my my uh, my aunt and uncle are coming in from town to town, and they want to see your show. What should I take them to? Um, uh, what do I wear on on on? on I'm invited to an opening night. Should I should I dress differently? And just an endless cascade of questions from the readers. What kind? What kind of things are, why don't you do a story on who's greater, Stephen Sondheim or Andrew Lloyd Webber? That, I pretty much got that every week. Um, so I really got a sense of what the readers are interested in, what kind of things they talk about. And of course, I'm on social media as well. So I'm creating a magazine that is entirely oriented towards the fans. It's going to be uh, things that the fans are discussing. It's going to be about how fans stay in contact with one another, largely through social media, but other ways as well. Also, the lifestyles of, of people who are interested in theater. Um, uh, I'll give you some examples. Um, uh, we're doing a... We did, Peter Felicic is, has written a story for us about um, scenes in shows that make you hungry. Uh, and of course, he's seen everything. He's seen everything. Uh, I have another writer who is doing a story on what do you if you want to plant your um, Shakespeare garden. So that's going to be coming up in the spring. How, how do you, if you want to plant a garden, all things mentioned in Shakespeare plays. So it's not just about the shows, that's and we can't fun. write about the shows because right now they're 
you know, there's no, certainly no Broadway shows, but we have a wealth of, of, of information that we, a wealth of subjects we can write about. And that's the other thing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh... One advantage to starting this crazy magazine in the middle of uh, a pandemic is the fact that there's so little work now for top people in the industry. So, um, for instance, um, uh, do you know who um, Joan Marcus is? Of course. Are you Joan kidding? Marcus, tell, tell the listeners who Joan Marcus Joan is. Joan Marcus is a preeminent Broadway photographer who's been capturing the behind the curtain of Broadway for decades and is just brilliant and a wonderful person. Okay, Dory, she works for me now. She is my photo editor. Nice She's work. the photo editor of Encore Monthly Magazine. So what I did was, because I realized that people can get a lot of stuff off the internet all the time, so like how, why should they buy a magazine? I've managed to go out there and I cherry-picked all the best writers that I could find. I got, I mentioned Peter, but I got, um, uh, I, I got Cara Joy David. I got David Spencer. I got uh, Frank Rizzo. Um, I got wow. um, Ken Bloom. I got all these. Jose Solis, the um, the blogger. Um, uh, Evelyn Chow from the New York Times. I've gotten all these in incredible writers are on my staff, and they I chose them because they have distinctive voices. Yeah, they have voices. It's not going to just sound like every other. Uh, theater thing. It's these are all people who have very well defined voices, and if you want to hear those voices, you have to subscribe to Encore Monthly at EncoreMonthly.com. And every and I'm still hiring people. I'm still bringing people on. Um, uh, it's going to be a very diverse staff because you know something, Dory. I want this magazine. I've, I've done things in the '90s. I've done things in the zeros. I want this to be the theater magazine of the 2020s, the 2030s, and beyond. A lot of the people that I've mentioned are well-known, but I've also found some very young people like Max Berry, who's mm -hmm. in his 20s, um, people, younger people who have very distinctive voices, and some younger than Max. Um, I really want, when people look back in 2050, <laughs> I want them to look back and have the, the people who are the top writers of the, those times say, I got my start on Encore Monthly. So if you want to hear familiar, wonderful voices, if you want to hear new, distinctive, young voices, voices of different ethnic groups, of different colors, cultures, you, people that you will not find uh, anyplace else unless you really, really look. I've done the looking for you. I have brought them forward and I am going to... Uh, showcase them in Encore Monthly. I, I know that you know Max because I assigned Max to write a story about Broadway Podcast Network, which is one <laughs> of the heroes of COVID who's kept the conversation going. What I was talking about before has been instrumental in keeping that and also younger people. Uh, the the podcasts you have are incredibly diverse. Oh, They're you. exactly the sorts of things that my 
um, encore monthly audience would be interested in. And, but I think that a lot of people aren't aware that you're out there. And so I'm hoping that people will look at the magazine and once again, focused on the audience because Dory, I have a theory and it's a crackpot theory. I have many crackpot theories and yet this is one of them. Um, I don't believe that theater happens on the stage. I believe that theater happens in the audience. I think it happens in the hearts and minds of the people watching the show. What happens on the stage is designed to evoke theater inside of you. And instead of just writing about what's on the stage, Encore Monthly is going to be about what's happening in the audience, how people react, how people think about it, how people respond. And again, this is not something, this is a challenge, especially, this is why I love the younger writers, because they just like, yes, I get it. Uh, the older writers have to be encouraged a little bit, have to be shown. But a lot of them, I, I mentioned Peter because Peter, you know, he's quick and he just jumped right into that. He he, he got it. Um, and that is what is going to set us apart and why I think that we are going to succeed where some of these other magazines ran aground. Also, as I mentioned, I have my eye on, I've been making budgets for years and I have two partners who are very bottom line oriented, but they're also, they respect creativity. It's that left brain, right brain combination, I think is going to put us over the top. Well, I, you know, I going back to living outside of New York and not knowing anyone in theater, I, over the years, I collected every single one of those magazines because I was desperate, Me desperate too. to learn anything and everything I could about theater. And so I know that that uh, Encore is going to do that for for so many so many people everywhere. But when is the first edition coming out? January twenty twenty one. It'll probably actually wind up in your mailbox the last week in December. Um, we'll be we're going to be printing it the second week in December, and uh, and then it will go out in the mail. Uh, right now on EncoreMonthly.com, we are offering a discount. It's uh, $29.95. Usually it's $34.95. But for those who buy through the website, it'll be $29.95. Think of it as the Theater of the Month Club. You'll be getting theater every month. We'll also, of course, it's the 2020. So, yes, of course, we have a website. Uh, right now you can go to it and there's some samples from the magazine. Um, but it's also – you can also uh, – uh, subscribe at a discount uh, through the website, but the, we're we're in the process of developing what is going to be on the website that's different from the magazine. The magazine is going to be the mothership, just like as as a playbill. The, the printed programs are the mothership. Our printed magazine will be the mothership. But having started six websites over the years, uh, I'm I'm very much working on how the the website is going to complement the um, the magazine. And so specifically, where does everybody go? They go to www.encoremonthly, www not encores, okay. plural, encoremonthly.com. Um, and that is where they can see samples from the magazine. I have a whole page of incredible endorsements from people in the theater industry who have said the, the most wonderful things about the magazine and about me and about my my collaborators and my, my staff. Um, so you can see, it's not just uh, crazy people who are going to take your money and run. It, it's th these are, this is people who've been doing this for a long time and who are endorsed by the entire theater industry. Um, um, and what, what tell me for you personally, you have such an extraordinary 
history with theater. I mean, really just not just being part of the community, but, but creating new things that, that have never existed before. And here you go again. What is it about our community? What is it about theater that completely has captivated you? I have to tell you from, from the first Broadway show that I saw, which was a man of La Mancha at the very end of its original run with my eighth grade English class. And it was so dramatic. And the, that, the, uh, the guards coming down and he's in chains and then he pulls out a, a, a medical, a, a makeup kit and he turns himself into Don Quixote. It was just magic from beginning to end. I'm also somebody though, who grew up with, um, I grew up, I saw Peter Pan on TV when I was a kid with Mary Martin and I, Mary Poppins, my parents took me to the first run of that first run of the sound of music movie. I mean, it was just, I just had this incredible inculcation, just like the kids today. When I say the kids, they're now in their twenties who grew up with all those Disney movie musicals animated in the nineties, you know, your little mermaid and your beauty and the beast. They had a very similar experience to what I enjoyed. And you know, that scene in, um, that scene in Peter Pan, when they're leaving, they're flying off to Neverland. Everybody sure. flies out the window. And and the little guy, Michael, is the only one who's in his feety pajamas. And he's left there. And the um, the nursemaid comes in and she says, where are you going? And he says, I'm going to Neverland. And he like zooms out the window. And um, and I have to tell you, Dory, I, I was right there. I went right behind him. Out, out that window, <laughs> and uh, I, and I never, I never came back. I'm, I'm still out that window flying around. I love that. Um, uh, I, I, it has always had a, a magic to me, not a magic, something that's viscerally important uh, to life. To, to, yeah. I, I think at some point I'm going to write a story about all how pretty much everything I know I learned out of musicals. Um. Uh, it's true. I've, I've, but people will say, how do you know that? How do you know about dice? You know, how do you know about playing craps? Did you play craps? <laughs> well, no, I was in guys and dolls when I was in school. <laughs> Everything I know I learned uh, in, uh, in, from musicals. And, uh, and so it's Pat been enormously resonant for me and it just fills my life with music. And, and, uh, my father, I think I mentioned was a musician, my brother uh, Keith went to Juilliard. My brother Charles had his own band. Um, Meant to be then. Who recently yeah. played at my wedding, by the way. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Um, uh, I married my elementary school sweetheart. Oh, my We gosh. reconnected after many, many years. I don't even want to say how many years. Um, but we That's reconnected. So wonderful. And she was just as beautiful to me as she was when we were kids. Um, and she loves theater, of course. She does. Yeah. She does. Although yeah. she is a civilian, she's she doesn't. She's not <laughs> like a. But she, I've been I've been having her listening to uh, Sirius XM to kind of get up to speed. Uh, you know, I was I've spent six years on Sirius XM. I was one of the first uh, VJs or DJs, I guess, on uh, that's right Sirius XM that's right. Uh, on the Broadway Channel. I used to do. We used to. It used to be called. Uh, used to be called um, Playbill Radio. And my here's my sign off. I always used to say. Playbill Radio, from the heart of Broadway. That was my sign off. And there are people who walk <laughs> up to me now and they go, from the heart of Broadway. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and then I have to do it, um, which I'm happy to do. I love that. And now I just want you to look to the future. Your past is stunning, unbelievable breakthrough. 
looking to the future, 10 years from now, we're way beyond COVID. Everything is just bursting on Broadway. There'll the be back. new horrible things. Don't worry. New horrible things. Yeah. But, but in terms of how we all experience the art and, and how we experience um, communicating about the arts and all that, what, what, are, what is our world going to look like in 10 years? Well, um, one thing for sure, after COVID, it's not going to be the same. It's going to be different. We, we want to go, but you can never go back to before, as we know from ragtime. Um, <laughs> it'll never, it's never going to be the same. It's going to be new. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be something for the time period we live in. But you know something? One thing that I've learned over the years, technology always creates something new. When, when uh, everybody always thinks, uh, like uh, out of Oklahoma, that we've gone about as far as we can go, and we are, have not gone about as far as we can go. One of the things I, I said, there's going to be new inventions after, once the, when websites first came out, everybody was like, well, this is as far as it can go. I said, no, there's going to be more stuff, new stuff. These laptops that were these Apple II Cs that we're typing on, they're all going to be in the Smithsonian, and it'll happen <laughs> sooner than you think. Um, um, so people think that we've gone as far as we can go. Well, we have Facebook, and but then there was Twitter. Like, oh well, Twitter is. But then we had Instagram. Like, oh well, that's as far as we can go. Now, oh no, we have TikTok. At some point, Dory, I believe, as as I'm also a fan of science fiction, I have a number of different nerdy interests. Um, I believe at some point we will, they will be able to um, broadcast directly into our brains. That instead of having to look something up on a little a little phone that we have to pick up. There'll be a way for us to, there'll be some sort of technology on our glasses. We'll put it on and we'll be able to access any information we want immediately just by thinking about it or by blinking our eyes or who knows what they're going to come up with. I don't know what they're going to come up with. If I did, I'd be doing that instead of doing a magazine. Uh, well, one thing for sure I, is you're going to be documenting it. You're going to well, be. That's, that's the thing. I always try to keep my knees bent like a, like a tennis player to be prepared for what is the next development what is the next technological thing and how do we put theater in there how do we get theater into i'm still trying to figure out how to get theater on alexa in the house mm. um, although i i sometimes i'll say the name of a song and alexa will start playing it god bless her um <laughs> but um anytime there's a new technological thing i want to be there uh, and put theater in it that's what i've been doing all along Encore, in addition to being a monthly magazine, in addition to being a website, is also the platform from which I will create whatever these new things are that are coming up. When something comes uh, pops up, I'll read about it, and instantly the wheels start turning. How do we put theater into this? How do we get how do we get theater to, to talk about it in this? I mean, look at Zoom. Did you know what Zoom was a year ago? Nobody knew what Zoom was a year ago. <laughs> now it's the center of our lives. And you know something, Dory? That's what's going to happen into theater in the next 20 years, to answer your question. Um, by, the, by the year 2030, who knows the new things that they will have come up with. But I have to tell you, if I am still alive and kicking and have anything to say about it, theater will be in the middle of it. Well, theater has been forefront in, in telling stories about what's happening in the world, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and as you said, educating all of us and helping us learn and, and process the world. So it'll be fascinating to see how it all unfolds over the next decade. And I'm so excited that Encore Magazine will be there to, to uh, help guide us and uh, enlighten us. 
um, in your hands. I know it's going to just be a, an amazing magazine. I cannot wait to get my hands on it and, uh, uh, and, and read every, every single line. And, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled that you've brought in, you know, such an A team to create uh, this magazine. It's really, really exciting. Well, um, encore, you know, is the French word for again. And yes. um, theater is going to come back again. Theater will yes, have it its encore and we will be there to chronicle it. Well, thank you for everything you've done to uh, certainly personally impact my life because I've been obviously reading everything you've been writing for, for so long. It's meant the world to me uh, and you are paving the way once again. So please uh, keep us posted on everything that's going on with EncoreMonthly.com. And, you know, I hope that you'll come back and, uh, and when you're in the thick of it and the magazine is out there and the world is enjoying it, update us on, uh, on what you're doing because it really is exciting. Well, that's high praise coming from you, Dory, for such a, a wonderful innovator and, uh, and person who is a kindred spirit who wants to put theater out there and producing on top of everything else. So thank you very much and break a leg with the prom. <laughs> thank you. That means so much. Thank you again, and everyone go out, stop what you're doing right now, go online, and get uh, start your subscription to this magazine immediately. Thank you, Robert. Take care. You too. Thank you all for joining us for this special Deep Dive Broadway episode with Robert Viagas, celebrating the launch of Encore Monthly, a spectacular new theater magazine. You can subscribe now at EncoreMonthly.com. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.